your brave has always been there. You wouldn't have learned to walk if you weren't brave. You wouldn't yes. have even come into this world if you weren't brave. It's got yes. as much as we think brave has got something to do with the circumstances. It's got everything to do with who you really are. So even when you don't feel you're brave, even when you don't feel you're at peace, you are the thinker of the thoughts. You have the ability to just stop for five minutes that kind of connects you with the bigger thing in life that's just always running through that energy you were born with it. What does it mean to you to live your best and bravest life? Does it mean being strong and forthright? Do you think of bravery as a woman or a man in uniform wearing stars or medals? Or does it mean being vulnerable, honest and courageous in all that you do? It is my mission in life to help you feel brave and empowered to live as your authentic self. So join me in these inspirational conversations filled with tips and tricks to help you live your best and bravest life. I'm Tiffany Johnson, and this is the When We Are Brave podcast. Welcome to the When We Are Brave podcast. I am so excited that you're here with me today to share in this week's episode. I have got a beautiful guest for you today who shares with us her incredible story about how she found her voice, even though she is a professional singer. She's all the way from Wales and her name is Angela Durant. So many exciting things have been happening in the world of Brave. So as you know from last week's episode, Brave Enough Now, my book, an inspirational story of self-discovery, survival, and hope is now available on Audible. Yes! So make sure if you're into audiobooks that you go and get it. It has been ranking at number two in a couple of categories, and that is so exciting. So thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for supporting me in getting the message out there about how we can all live bravely in our life. The competition is still going for... The celebration of the second season, which is this season of the When We Are Brave podcast. I have had an overwhelming response to be in this competition. So make sure you go online and check it out. What do you win? Let me tell you. It's a Laser 7 Android tablet, which is already uploaded with books from some of the authors that are on this season of the podcast, including myself, my book, Brave Enough Now. Aspen Matus, who is a New York Times bestselling author who will be on the show in the coming weeks. Her book, Your Blue Is Not My Blue, is on there. Plus, Dr. Stefan Neff, whose book about his journey to sobriety is on there as well. The gorgeous Dr. Wendy Bruton, who has got her beautiful book on essential oils called Essentially Better. And Tara Nielsen, who has got her memoir, Raised in Ruins, and about her incredible life growing up in the wilderness of Alaska, which I find fascinating. It's a great story. I love that one too. So make sure you go online, tiffanyjohnson.com.au, to enter the competition. That's right. Enter the competition for your chance to win this incredible prize. I'm so excited. Okay, so let's get on with today's show. Now, this is really exciting. Angela Durand is one of Wales's top vocal performance coaches. Now, for those of you out there who don't know, I I used to do a lot of professional singing in my younger days, but I don't do that so much anymore. So when I connected with Angela, I was 
excited from a singer to a singer. Anyway, that's enough about me. Angela has worked with over 800,000 people with speakers, musicians, CEOs, executives, managers, entrepreneurs in her practice, in both her private practice and also at the University of South Wales. Through her Visible program, V-I-S-I-B-L-E program, she helps clients present and speak with confidence, presence and power to get their message out without that selling feeling. She's been featured on the BBC radio and she helps business owners and companies, organizations, consultants and coaches master their message, growing their brand through speaking to impact their audience. How Angela came to be in this position is an incredible story. And as a professional singer, it was only through a life-changing accident, an incredible car accident, where she finally discovered her true voice. I know listening to this episode is going to have an impact on you. So stay tuned, settle in and enjoy. Angela, welcome to the When We Are Brave podcast. This is so exciting because I have never spoken to someone in Wales before. So you're our first person residing in Wales to be on the When We Are Brave podcast. So thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited too. I would love for you to tell us a little bit about who you are and your life experience, what you do, and how you've lived bravely. Oh, gosh. In which order to start with? Okay, so um, I'm Angela Durant, and um, I'm married to Paul, my husband. I've got a 13-year-old daughter, Ella, and I live in Wales in the UK. And I was born in Birmingham in England, and for those who aren't really sure Wales is supposed to be a separate country from England so I have moved over the border to 70 degree as it were um but I I have resided here for the last 20 odd years since I came here to music college and I studied uh, classical singing there in my 20s but I was performing from a child my family background is all my family were performers right back to my grandfather um had a famous uncle uh, his name is George Formby he was a ukulele player and a comedian in the 40s, made several films, so you can YouTube him, you will find him on there. Um, (laughs) But uh, what I do now is um, I've been a voice coach for 10 years. I've had really the privilege of helping unlock so many voices um, in in lots of different ways. Uh, Probably 800,000 people I've probably worked with over the last 10 years. Um, and And actually starting the vocal studio came from a horrific car crash that I had in 2008 where I nearly lost my life and then finally started to be brave in terms of giving myself permission to do the things that I had not been doing up to that point um, because I had I would say I, I'm a recovering people pleaser, um, you know, grown up sort of, you know, uh, keeping everybody happy is a real girl thing, I think. But, you know, keeping everybody happy, doing what I think was expected of me. And that could have been from teachers, from parents, peers, friends, just never really found, uh, you know, I kind of went across a path of, of trying to um, sort of do what I thought everybody said I should be doing in order to get somewhere in life. But I have the privilege now of just working with singers, speakers. Um, I started a 
uh, a company last year working with public speaking and businesses and people in the business arena as it were and self-employed people to try and get their message out a lot more because I had worked out over a period of years how to do that as it were by running my own studio and also from uh, just being sort of more visible or learning how to do that so so I work with all of those type of people now. What an incredible story so uh, I am fascinated by every aspect of your journey. You've faced so many obstacles. I think so many of us have that people-pleasing. I know I had the people-pleasing bug. I don't, I don't have a name for it. It doesn't have imposter syndrome. It's just a people-pleasing aspect that we have. And I think you're right. Sometimes as women, we do feel that we're responsible for holding the world up, but that's not always the case. And I know myself that I've been to a point of sheer exhaustion from trying to do all the things and now I work very, very hard on or work with flow, I should say, because I don't like to say I work hard because it puts negativity into the air, but I like to work in flow with the rhythm of life and not be pushing against the stream because otherwise you end up you end up sick or you end up in a really bad car accident like what happened to you. So do you want to tell us about that car yeah. accident? Yeah, I think that I think I didn't even know flow, flow wasn't a word that I actually lived by up until at that point. And I think even since then, I think just trying to understand when I'm not in flow is a big enough journey sometimes. But what led into it was I'd always felt very driven. And I think that driven nature comes from trying to live up to expectations that you either put on yourself or that you feel are on you. Um, I certainly, from my own background, from being taken to an agent at the age of nine to being on a, you know, a sort of performing trail, uh, you know, an audition trail, you, you kind of have this idea that you've always got to live up to expectations somehow and I think that it doesn't I don't think you have to be a performer to to, to, to find that it could be even be exam pressure from people and we're still living it. Um, but at the time, I think I'd had this portfolio career where I was sometimes part time singing at this point. I was uh, just I was um, just coming up to sort of 30, 38. And I had um, I'd got a part time career. I had uh, been singing. I'd been teaching. I'd been selling houses. And if I wasn't doing one thing, I was doing something else. And at the same time, I was trying to raise a family. I'd got an 18 month old and and I was right in that sandwich generation, they call it in the UK, where you've got small children and elderly parents and you've got this sort of juggle going on. And, I, and my mum was very sick in Birmingham. So I was traveling 150 miles about twice or three times a week to try and care for my mum at the same time. And on one of the occasions, it, I think I just some sheer exhaustion. I passed out of the wheel for probably about three seconds. And those three seconds changed my life. I hit the central reservation on the motorway or on the freeway, careered across three lanes of traffic. Thank goodness it was at 11 o'clock at night. I'll say is there is a gratefulness because had it been in rush hour traffic, I would have taken other people out mm. at the same time. But it was 11 o'clock in the evening. So I I was kind of on my own, um, hit, the, hit the central reservation, and then I could just feel myself kind of hearing this voice on the inside of me that goes, Angela, just stay completely still and do not move. I didn't know what was going on. I just, you know, it happened it, as I recall it. 
it's a slow motion recollection, but in mm. the moment it was happening very quickly. But it careered across three lanes of traffic. I hit the crash barrier on the uh, opposite side of the motorway and my car launched 15 feet into the air. And those 15 feet meant that there was a fence and a hill at the side of the motorway, sort of separating residential gardens off from the motorway. And I careered 100 feet off the motorway oh, uh, through the fence, um, and it was a bit like toothpicks, like in Jenga or something, you know, when you're pulling them out. Um, it, there was sort of fence posts through the car. And I landed passenger side down, taking out a couple of trees. Um, and the first instance, I was kind of suspended up by the seatbelt. The first instant was I've just got to get myself out of here, kind of like your own sort of self-preservation takes over. And I tried to get the doors open of the car, but it was, you know, hydraulically sealed by that point. I had no idea that the car was in such a mangled state. I had no contemplation of what was actually going on. But the first thing that happened was I felt a, a sort of face in the, the window in the darkness, in the sort of um, uh, the window, the, the front windscreen. And uh, it was the owner of the house and he just looked at me sort of ashen faced. And mm. for the first time in my life, I thought I was in control of life up until that point. I really did. I was juggling it all. I could do it all. I was driven. And um, and I felt I looked in the face of another human being and I just said, please help me. And it was the most humbling experience of my entire life, because at that point I realized that I didn't have control. And actually, at this point in my life, I couldn't even save myself. I couldn't get myself out there. I needed help and it just it rocked my world that that I had no clue what had led me into the accident and it was just you know I walked out of hospital a week later without a broken bone and they couldn't understand how I hadn't died in the accident and at the time I couldn't understand why I hadn't died in the accident round about the same time there was a newspaper report that a family of six had all perished on the motorway going into the back of a lorry and I remember watching it and going, well, why not me? Yeah. Which seemed a very odd thing to say, but I was kind of like, well, why not me? You know, it, it didn't, at that point, I didn't feel like I had a mission to save the world. I was just really strongly kind of, I just couldn't understand what had got me into that accident. I just felt very unconscious, like what, I didn't see this coming, what had led me into this? And the fact that I'd lived, I did feel that there was definitely something that obviously I should be doing in life or making life count in a bit better way than I had been but I didn't know at that point what that looked like I think the bravery was just at that point was just coming through it and kind of not I didn't go on antidepressants I went to the doctor um the doctor I said look I'm not coping I'm seeing flashbacks and mm. what what can I do and he just said look I, I really can't do anything to help you he said at the moment the counselling waiting list for the NHS is over six months if you've got private health care go for it I had at the time with the job that I was doing mercifully like little mercies kind of come into the way as it were and I managed to get some trauma counselling for seven months and within that seven months started to unpack a little bit of why we think like we do and what had potentially led me into something that was so catastrophic that it had nearly deprived my family of a mother and, uh, and I think that's what had hit me more anything around. It wasn't that I suddenly felt brave because I'd survived it. I didn't even feel brave. I felt pretty stupid, actually, at the time, because I felt that I felt that I had not been consciously aware of 
how I was living that was creating this effect and for some for some I mean that accident was clearly my fault for other people they have no choice over certain things you know I mean it, it, over what certain accidents etc but I had to unpack and make a big shift in my own world as to how I wanted to live and and the biggest thing was actually acknowledging that that I had been traveling at such a pace that I couldn't see what was in front of me mm. Wow, what a story. I've been in many car accidents. I've been in some shockers as well, but um, that one definitely was incredibly significant, wasn't it? Yeah. It's up there. <laughs> it's definitely up there. I got hit by a pea plate a, a couple of years, oh, well, before I had children, so that was a little while ago, but we, I was married and I'd stopped at the set of lights and I took off and I saw out of the side that there was a guy going about 110 kilometres an hour in a 60 zone and he took me out. I spun around. I nearly hit a man in a little who was working in the side of the road in a manhole and I had to dodge him and then dodge the um, telegraph pole and I ended up in a fence and then there was a three-car pile-up behind me and I got hit from behind and I was off work for about six months. And then last year I had another major car accident where another pea plater um, which is your provisional license in Australia before you get your full driver's yeah. license. I'd stopped at a set of lights again, and he was driving a huge, big vehicle, and I have a little SUV. And um, he just didn't stop, and he just pushed me straight through the set of lights. And I've had a number of injuries since then, um, and had to close my business because of it because I couldn't um, move properly anymore. And you know, I've obviously survived the canyoning disaster too, but. <laughs> I don't know what it is with me and accidents, but I can completely be in your shoes with this because it's there's so much that goes through your mind going through the PTSD, trying to find that purpose in your life when you know that you have been given that second chance. And that's right. really what goes through your mind, isn't it? Why have I been left? And even to ask those questions is incredibly brave and difficult and challenging and mm. hard and heavy and deep and painful. <laughs> but <laughs> when you get to the other side of that, there is light and there is joy and there is wonder and there is making change and that is what you are doing. And so I want to ask you, when you've been through this incredible disaster, terrible accident, you've got your family, you've walked out alive, you've been through the PTSD counselling and then you've decided in your life now is my time for purpose and it came to you in a revelation that perhaps your love of music and your love of business could merge together and you had a light bulb moment, didn't you, where you then decided, hey, this is something that I could do. So you kind of pushed aside your fears. Tell us about how that happened and how it was in that you found your voice as you were already a singer, but when you actually found your voice, that you were incredibly brave and able to help thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. Well, um, I was in the middle of a counselling session and uh, I think we just don't realise sometimes that we think that the way that we're thinking is the only way to think because it kind of is at the time. You know, we're, only, mm. we're all doing the best we can with the level of thinking that we've got at the moment, you know. But I was really wanting to explore what had led me into the accident and how I could come out of it 
with more foresight and foresight than had clearly led me into it. And uh, in the middle of one of the counselling sessions, I, I was talking about how it was either I'd been in a job somewhere and sort of I'd either been in a sales job or doing a job or a corporate job or I'd been singing, uh, you know, and, and, and been out in, a, uh, in the singing world. <laughs> and she just looked at me and she said, have you ever thought of just combining the two? And it had never occurred to me at some point to join the two. She said, you've got such black and white thinking, Angela. She said, you just, it's either A or it's B, it's black or it's white, it's this or it's that. She said, and this was her phrase, actually, because it's just come, it's just come to mind. Angela, why don't you come into the middle? We're into the, into, she said, they often call it the grey zone, but it's not. She said, it's just coming away from this black and white thinking. She says, come into the grey in the middle where there's a bit more permission and a bit more freedom. And I had never kind of even thought about that so right in the middle of that um you know seven month counseling I started a vocal coaching studio and the reason I did it it was no big light bulb it was a case of quite practically looking and going these are my skills right now and and I can't go around the country I don't know what else to do I'll start teaching singing and what led it from that small seed of a decision I started to find skills and talents on the inside of me that would never have seen the light of day had I had the life that I'd have chosen to have before this. And that's what is, that's what kind of maybe amazes me about the whole journey over the last 10 years of being in business for myself as a voice coach and even where it's leading me now is without that, I remember saying to the counsellor, um, I said, this might sound a bit silly, but this is going to become the enemy that became my best friend. So because I am not going to come out of this worse, um, this is going to become like, the, I would never, I said, I would never have chosen to go through this in the entirety of my life, but it is going to become my best friend. It is going to become the catalyst that everything in my life changes. And it, and it did for the first three years. Um, I started with this vocal coaching studio and I just, it was the first time in my life I knew no fear and anxiety. And I felt like I lived in fear and anxiety up to that point. What do you think it was that made you not feel that fear and anxiety? Fear and anxiety. I'd come that close to death and it had been, it had been like somebody that's in a panic and gets slapped around the face. And I, in that moment, I felt very present, very present to life. And, you know, what was a bit of rejection? I'd been so frightened of rejection, I think, around the people pleasing. I'd been so frightened of rejection, both from my parents, both from I went to a very academic school. You know, it's kind of like if you never measured up, you just kind of if you didn't feel rejection from somebody else, you found a way to reject yourself or you found a way to play small or just not go with what you're capable of in life because you just don't want to feel that rejection it, although it's much more subconscious than that most of the time you just excuse it away somehow mm. but I didn't at that point I just was kind of like I just went and if I if I had to put a website together I just kind of found out how to do it my husband had sold his recording studio at the time he's a music producer and um, he just gave me five thousand pounds he said stay off for six months and work out what you want to do and I just felt for the first time in probably 20 years that I'd been given a break, literally a physical break to just take my time. And it was in that it was in that space of like timelessness almost where there was no agenda on the other end of it that I was able to move forward and discover. And 
that that really exploded. I, I found a new method of singing, which I brought into Wales from L.A. that had not been taught here before. It was like one serendipitous moment after after the other that was trying to sort of teach me that that's what I was supposed to be listening to. Not every everybody else's voice, not, you know, my past or anything else, but um, and not my fears, but I was supposed to be listening to that voice. That was the the voice that was leading me along new pathways, um, and it, and it continued to that for about three years until about 2012, when my husband had cancer, and I then had to become the main breadwinner. And it was then fear left me, and uh, fear entered into the you know onto the table because I just found something else to obsess around and drive mm-hmm. me forward. And now it was becoming the main breadwinner. But it took me several years to see that that actually living in a state of flow was what I was doing through those first three years. You know, and it's only as I was kind of blindsided by you know additional obstacles. You know, we're in we're in cancer four at the moment. Um, We've gone through three bouts of cancer, one every two years so far, kidney out, adrenals out, uh, pieces on the head, and now it's in both lungs, and uh, plus a heart failure. And in the whole of that, and losing my mum and my best friend to both, uh, you know, within the space of seven years, I felt a bit like I was rocky on the on the floor being, every time I went to stand up, I would be punched back down again. And I couldn't see... I couldn't see anything brave to me with what was going on. In fact, people would say to me things like, oh, life hasn't been very kind to you, Angela, has it? Or, you know, or you're not having much luck lately. And it, I really struggled with it. I had to come to terms with actually that is not what is going on here. It's not that I've upset life. It's just that actually, um, you know, there are circumstances a bit like the butterfly effect where I have no control. I, you know, I felt as if I had control over my decision making that led to my car accident, but I had no control over my husband getting cancer. And I, but I had every control bit by bit about how I was going to show up in the middle of that. But it's been an increasing evolutionary journey of coming out of just feeling as if I was on eggshells all the time, waiting for the next thing to hit. And and we can live a bit like that. I felt like I lived a bit like on eggshells waiting for the next trauma to to hit Mm. us and I had to find a way out of that um and one of the things even just this year around the pandemic was just being a support for other self-employed people that are actually going through crisis and starting things around that because I felt as if it was it was hard if you were on your it's just generally quite a challenge for people to understand you when you were going through more than the normal trauma I think for people they don't know what to say to you yeah, there's definitely that awkwardness and that uncomfortableness mm. and they kind of just look at you. It's similar to when someone dies. People often, yeah. they don't know what to say. I'm really sorry for your loss. How's your dog? <laughs> <laughs> Have you been to the new restaurant down the road? And you kind of look at them and you're like, oh, I know this is actually not a personal thing. You just are quite uncomfortable. And sometimes it's having those uncomfortable conversations that actually help us to move forward. And so through all of this incredible life circumstances you are here and you're smiling and you're incredibly strong and powerful woman helping so many other people you're finding joy in what you do and you've found your flow again I had to find peace and I think the biggest thing was around coming to terms with um I think I think we all sometimes grow up with a very unrealistic expectation of life that 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 
either it's never going to happen to me or it shouldn't happen to me or why has it happened to me or I hope it doesn't happen to me and uh, everything seemed to happen to me (laughs) (laughs) all in one fell swoop almost all in all in a few years and and I kind of just thought well hang on a minute I'm still alive (laughs) I'm still here and if if I'm not going to you know if I'm going to still live this life every single day um uh, even these traumas even these things that we're going through it's not that I have to run out and save the world it's not my job to save the world but where can I where can I become a safe haven for people or where can I find peace for myself that was the first place that I had to start with myself and I had to start with how I thought and the fact that I'm, I knew I was living in the feeling of my thinking, not my circumstances. And that might sound a weird thing to say to people, but it's not the circumstances that are causing me to think something. If I have a chocolate cake here in you know in front of us and I've just eaten a full meal, I'm not going to want the chocolate cake. If you know if if I haven't eaten for days, I'm going to want the chocolate cake. The chocolate cake's still the same. Like I had to find a level of peace. You and I eat differently, though, because I would eat the chocolate cake regardless. (laughs) As a type 1 diabetic, I'd be like, I just have a bit more insulin because I love chocolate cake. Oh, you see, as a former former type 2 diabetic, I'm like, say no to the chocolate cake. Yeah, say no to the chocolate cake, as everyone should. That's right. No to the chocolate cake. But it was, was, I was living in the feeling of my thinking, Uh, but I get tricked. Like everybody else, I get tricked to, to imagine that it's the circumstance that's causing me to feel like this. And what I had to do was learn to to continually evolve into a more peaceful place within myself. And actually what that led to was really honouring and listening to the yearnings and, and the voice on the inside that was actually going, well, you're going to, you know, how is the mess going to become the message? Because I kind of saw that the word message, half of the word is the word mess. And so I think that actually you your life becomes the message. So I started to share this story with more people. And it was a very private story up to this point. Um, I felt as if I wanted to hide the fact that we're going through so many cancer journeys that, you know, and my mum died in the middle and my best friend died in the middle. And that now we were on another journey, etc. And then we were on a financial sort of crisis journey, whatever that it was that we were going through. I often felt that I wanted to hide that from people out of shame or, you know, sort of guilt, etc. Or it didn't look like I was a success. Therefore, people wouldn't want to work with me because I was having so many things happen. They thought they might catch the bad luck I was going through kind of thing, you know. It's a real kind of common niche thing about life, isn't it? And what's happened in the last, probably in the last few months is that more and more people have kind of come out of the woodwork and said, we had to put our business on hold because my husband had cancer. I'm going through cancer right now, or I've had this trauma, or gosh, I don't know how you, you know, I, because of what you've gone through, I feel as if I can, you know, you tell me, Angela, that you have to just get up and find your why sometimes every day, knowing what you've gone through, I can do the same. And I started to recognise that that it was, you know, that if, if I continue to just work on discovering my own voice and my own peace, I didn't have to worry about changing the world. I could just get out into the world, be of service, bring my work out, do what I'm doing, share with people. Um, I tend to share it once it's a nice scar rather than it's a picky scab wound, as it were, you know, I'll kind of deal with some of those behind the scenes. Um, but, it, you know, we're still going through it. It's not like it's gone, you know, at some point. At some point, if the cancer treatment doesn't work, 
I'll I'll have a I'll have a teenage daughter and I'll lose my husband. And so I have to live with the reality of, of, you know, I think it's just that we don't live the reality. We have to live a life that is full of purpose as if we're not going to die, because otherwise we'd never get up and do anything. And at the same time, it's really helpful for me on a daily basis to to look at my husband and go, go and sit for 10 minutes with your husband right now because the work will wait or go and do that 10 minutes of work right now because you know there is no time like the present we're actually in the eternal present you've got today so how is today going to be for you how are you going to enjoy today is today going to matter for you are you going to empty your garbage of communication and bad will on everybody else or are you going to make it a day where they actually feel a little bit lifted up it's helped my communication it's it's helping helping my focus it's helping me to just go you know what it, any day I haven't got control over I don't even have control over the next five minutes in reality and I was such a control freak I'm evolving control freak and an evolving people pleaser um, but I, I think I just I like showing up now with my clients and, and the things that I do and just kind of pointing them in the, the direction of more truth around this is that actually you know if we're not in control of everything but we are able to be in the feeling of our thinking right now in the moment those feelings are telling us something if they're disquieted then they're telling us something sometimes they're telling us that we need to make a change sometimes they're just telling us that we've got habitual thought that is not helpful to us right now and other times there's yearnings and desires that that real inner voice is trying to get you to follow I am quite amazed to think that my journey has led me to where I am and I would have considered if you'd have written this on paper I would have seen this journey as a failure it's so anything but a failure (laughs) it is such an incredible success that what your story shares and what you hold and your insight and wisdom is profound and delightful and I know that when people hear your story that they will be so connected to both you and your story and also to their own selves. Normally what I do at the end of an interview is I say, what are some of your favourite tools or techniques or tips that you would like to share? But you've just given me (laughs) bucket loads and bucket loads (laughs) of amazing tools and techniques. Let's go with this. What... I talk a lot about that inner voice because I'm very uh, intuitive and and listen to it myself, having had a lot of experience personally with that inner voice. What would you say to people who are really struggling to find that peace that you're talking about? How do you stop and find it? First of all, recognise you were born with it. First of all, recognise that it's it's not something you need to go out and find. It's something you've lost sight of. Mm. It's always been there. Your brave has always been there. You wouldn't have learned to walk if you weren't brave. You wouldn't yes. have even come into this world if you weren't brave. It's got yes. as much as we think brave has got something to do with the circumstances. It's got everything to do with who you really are. So even when you don't feel you're brave, even when you don't feel you're at peace, you are the thinker of the thoughts. You have the ability to just stop for five minutes 
And and as soon as that kind of cortisol leaves your body and the anxiety leaves your body just for 20 minutes or something, go for a walk, do something really free that kind of connects you with the bigger thing in life that's just always running through. That energy is always running through life. It runs through every tree, every plant. It runs through you. You were born with it. You've got peace you've got a peaceful place living on the inside of you and suddenly it's almost like when you start to have just even 10 seconds of just tapping into that you'll recognize there's more to come and then the more that you just give place to that just 10 seconds then 20 seconds then 30 seconds it's not about running off and meditating for hours it's about suddenly just giving place to the fact that it is there even if you can't see it and when you just have an inkling of it in a moment it means that there is more available for you and then you just follow the breadcrumbs to start with with that oh what an absolute gold mine of fabulous tips there i cannot thank you enough for being on the show so if anyone is wanting to get in touch with Angela if you are looking to find your voice if you're looking for singing coaching if you are a corporate who or a public speaker who are doing lots of different leadership seminars keynote speaking anything along those lines Angela is your go-to woman Angela, tell me about your two websites and where people can find you for your wisdom and your healing and your voice coaching. Well, if they email me at the moment at Angela at AngelaDurant.com, A-N-G-E-L-A-D-U-R-R-A-N-T, they can get hold of me straight away on email because I answer all my personal emails. Uh, There's two websites uh, coming up and um, one is maverickcommunication.co.uk and that's for all the corporate work. And then the newest venture, which I'm really excited about, is the visibleclub.com, which is coming soon. And that is particularly as a support for people in business for themselves. So it's for solopreneurs to help them raise their profile and stand out without stressing out, basically. Uh, And a really wonderful community of self-employed people, because I know what it is like to try and stay in business when you're actually dealing with crisis and it's hard enough if you're employed and it's doubly hard if you're self-employed and so the visible club is that support for people if they're in business for themselves what a wonderful idea that sounds very targeted to a niche audience that will be needing that support and i know that it will be incredibly successful because you are working in your flow and you're giving your gifts to the world what a pleasure it's been to have you on the show today angela thank you so much for being on the when we are brave podcast thank you it's been my pleasure angela brought so much to the table in this beautiful interview today. I hope that you got something out of it. Listen to your inner voice. It always puts you on the right path. What is it in your life that you think is your purpose? How do you feel when you're in flow? And do you find that peace within yourself? And if you don't, what do you need to do to find it? And how can you find it? So many great tips in today's episode. I'm sure that if you listen to Angela's words of wisdom, that you too will find that inner peace that she is talking about. Thank you so much for tuning in to the When We Are Brave podcast. I cannot tell you how much I love sharing these stories with you, sharing these tips with you, and knowing that we're all moving together 
to live our best and bravest life. It really is a gift. So thank you so much for tuning in. Now, don't forget, go in the competition. Yes, the competition. I know it runs out. It ends on the 4th of September. So that is on Friday, the 4th of September. It's only a few days away. So make sure you go on to tiffanyjohnson.com.au and you will find the links all there in the podcast section of the website. And if you ever want to connect with me, I would love to hear from you. So make sure you contact me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or send me an email, info at tiffanyjohnson.com.au. I would love to hear from you. I love hearing from our listeners. And if you've ever got any other ideas or tips or suggestions that you'd like to hear on the podcast, please reach out to me. I would absolutely love to connect with you. So if you want to find anything else out about me, you can always go onto my website. Everything's on there. Links to the book, the book in German, the audio book, and everything else that's coming. I've got so many great things coming up for this year. I know, 2020. Wow. What more can one say? But hopefully these episodes will bring some snippets of joy to your life while we're all living through this pandemic. And so, my friends, be brave and live your best and bravest life.